Alongside all the track and field events, we're also getting to the pointy end of a lot of the team sports. The Kookaburras are through to the semis in men's hockey, while the Hockey Roos take on India this morning, which is pretty good timing because we've got a very special guest this morning. WA's elite athletes on the podium. Joining us now is a legend of hockey in Australia, a gold medalist, author, presenter and business director. She's part of the team that secured Australia's first ever team gold in any Olympics. She's Sally Carbon and she joins us right now. Thank you for having me. I'm quite um, excited, but I'm also extremely nervous about what's going down today. What about the timing of this, of course, the hockey ruse playing as we speak? And now they win, they advance, they lose, it's all over. The cutthroat nature of Olympic hockey, you know what it's like. Uh, the anxiety, the stress, and even the heat over there in Tokyo, it's all a, a cauldron and pressure is there. Absolutely, and I have actually experienced both sides of this equation. One, going in and feeling the momentum and going through to that gold medal match, and that's what you go away for, to, to go through that journey right to the last day. But I've also experienced four years later going to the Olympic Games as ranked number one. Absolutely sure bet, yeah, of course, sure bet. And then not even getting to play off for a medal, and that we came fifth. So that's Seoul and then Barcelona. So I know exactly what it feels like at this point in time for both the Kookaburras and the Hockey Roos as well. And what do you think temperature-wise is having an impact on the teams over there? We know it's hot, we know it's humid. Do they just roll with that, or is that going to play a factor as we're getting towards the end of this tournament? I would like to say it has absolutely nothing to do with it because you're an athlete, you've trained for four years, These, this, in this particular case it's five years, you're training for these conditions and every athlete is in the same boat. So we're going to the Olympic Games with absolute extreme fitness, so so what about the heat? Mm. Um, just updating, of course, the Hockey Roos down at the moment against India 1-0, but uh, still the first half and uh, a, a chance created just a few moments ago, a penalty corner, but uh, nothing for the Australians. What we do have to touch on, though, Sally, is that over the past 12 to 18 months, Australian women's hockey, particularly in the program, the coaching, etc., has been under heavy scrutiny. It's labelled uh, toxic culture. That has changed dramatically, and it seems for the better of the sport and the team. Yeah, well, one argument is um, when you go through a period of change, of course you escalate from that point in time, don't you? The second argument is that it wasn't right and we had to fix it up to go forward. So whichever one, and, you know, no one really knows, do you, whichever pathway you want. So without sort of saying negative things about the previous regime, we're now on the glasses half full and we've got the most fantastic environment where we've faced adversity as a you know sport and we're now bouncing back and we're going at a rate faster than we probably would if we were just going on the normal trajectory. And a lot has been said, not just in hockey, gymnastics as well, other sports, about what sort of coaching techniques are now maybe not as appropriate. Do you think there's a, been a change in mindset of the modern athlete compared to what was accepted, what was considered tolerable in your day? Yeah, and that's the case with anybody in the community, isn't it? Where we're more mindful about what is right and wrong rather than just winning. So that's excellence going across the board. But one thing that's really standing out to me here, these Olympic Games and also what the Hockey Roos have been through in that gymnastics story, is the the value of happiness. Like, um, and it's the same with all of us, you know, during sort of going through this COVID era as well. A happy athlete performs 
And we we forgot that for the last four Olympiads. We we pushed everybody down. The community was not happy with Olympians. And, you know, we're now happy. And even to the extent that we're, wow, we're even allowed to swear in an interview after the, <laughs> after our tri- triumph. And we laugh at it. And as Australians, we embrace that um, authenticity and uniqueness of a happy athlete. Speaking of coaching, and of course, one of the most famous coaches in Australian sport, Rick Charlesworth, uh, such a smart man, such a decorated hockey player himself in a wonderful career. The vagaries of him and his personality. Um, tell us how that all yeah. worked. Yeah, I think you're going to disprove my theory of a happy athlete here. Because <laughs> <laughs> Rick Charlesworth's nickname, everybody called him grumpy. So that's sort of, you know, counterintuitive to a happy athlete. But one thing that Rick did extremely well was he was so intelligent in our methodology and the way the team performed but then he had this unique ability to um, embrace the individual as well. And so if you were the type of individual who wanted to be intense, fine. If you're the type of individual who wanted to muck around, fine. And he did embrace that you know, individual element of each athlete, which enabled people to be happy. And now looking at the hockey roos and the kookaburras so far this Olympics, what have you liked about both of their performances? Are there things that you've highlighted maybe that they could be doing better? Yeah, well, as my heartbeat's quite elevated with the hockey roos right now, it's the same with the kookaburras yesterday. And one thing that's really unique about the kookaburras is they've got a coach, Colin Batch, who is just so in control, like to the extent that he's... um, you know, he's not one of these wild um, swimming coaches who needs to grab a glass. Hang on, you're saying he's not like Dean Boxall. He's more like uh, Richard Fox, who's the dad of, yeah. of Jess Fox, who sat there. His heart rate, I don't think, got it above 30 beats a minute. Yeah. He's just so relaxed. And, and Colin looks like that, uh, that very calm, even-handed man. Even-handed. And he was like that. He played in the era where I played as well. And he was very even. But at the same time, steely des- desire to win. But um, his, his balanced approach filters through the kookaburras. Um, and I sort of, as a spectator, watch the kookaburras think, right, Colin's got this, which means the team's got this. Whereas Trini Powell, who was just the most magnificent striker, so aggressive and really got in there and played excited and upbeat, that's filtering through the um, hockey ruse at the same time. So we can really see the impact of the coaches on these teams. That's still 1-0 in the hockey, India over Australia, but the hockey ruse getting plenty of possession in that game as we speak. Speaking to... Hockey Roos Olympic gold medalist Sally Carbon on Let's Go Tokyo. And I guess looking at these 2020 games now, surely the memories from Seoul must come flooding back. This game's more than any other, and I think it's because of the well, the environment that we're all in in Australia, that we're all sort of jumping in and looking for that happiness, which is excellent, but also because of the age I'm at, and that is that, you know, I've sort of finished running around crazy after the kids and I have control of my own work pattern and everything, that I have been glued to these Olympic Games, so I'm so into it more so than the last few. The other thing is, um, as a Olympian, and especially one that sort of had that sort of gold medal success and then the, the next Olympiad as well, I sort of got a bit upset about the Olympics, and that's just being really honest. And I dare say all the other Olympic Olympians are in the same boat. And it takes a period of time to get over what you went through and come back. And now I'm just so in and, you know, really supportive of the athletes and the movement as well. And do you think maybe part of that is this Olympics, more than probably any in recent memory, has been almost purely about the sporting achievements 
uh, themselves. We're not seeing stupid things happening in the crowd because there are no fans. We're not hearing about athletes who are getting up to mischief outside of the athletes' village because they're you not can't. allowed. <laughs> they're not allowed to leave. Trust it. me, they would if they could. Uh, and they would if they could for sure. And so, it does, to me, it just seems to be the most pure exhibition of sport that I've seen at Olympics for a long time. Pure exhibition of sport, sp- sportsmanship. Um, the whole things that, that go with this as well. Because, you know, you watch some of these sports, for instance, and they compete as hard as they can, then they come off and they congratulate each other. There's not this rubbish that goes with it, you know, rah, rah, we're better than anybody else. And it goes back to the core of, you know, Pierre de Coupetan, who set up the modern Olympics, and he set up the modern Olympics because he wanted his country, France, to be robust and, um, you know, a bit more aggressive than it had been in the past, but also to bring the whole world together and this is the ultimate of bringing the whole world together and we're really embracing the impact of that bring the whole world together. I guess I'm making a point far removed from sportsmanship and uh, the ethos of the Olympic Games but when it comes to financial remuneration for athletes we know across the various countries that places like Singapore the lure of a million dollars most other developed nations in fact have got Australia covered with regards to what athletes are rewarded for 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 winning medals. Uh, are we underpaying our athletes, so to speak, for, for performing? Where, where do we sit? Because some of these athletes will come home. We mentioned Emma McKeon and the, the like who've been outstanding, but financially, how rewarding will it be? It's okay. You know, it's, it's, it's okay. We, as Australia, we okay look after our athletes, but we don't look after the impact of what sport has on the country. So you're right, Australia gold medalists, um, well, they'll get about $20,000. But when you sort of say JobKeeper, you get $44,000 a year and an Australian athlete who doesn't isn't eligible for any other funding gets 20000 You know, you've got to put that in perspective. The US um, a gold medalist will get 50000 equivalent Australian dollars and Australia out of all the countries is right down very lean. So the biggest message from, you know, what you're just asking me, Mark, is it's not actually about... You know, are these athletes getting paid? It's the fact that Australia isn't putting enough effort into high-performance sport, and that's not to look after the athletes, but that's to look after our country. Like, if we as a country really elevate the impact, the social impact, the economic impact, the educational impact of high-performance sport, wow, that's us as a country investing in it, which is different to investing in athletes. It's It's a bigger story. Well, it's pretty clear right now, Sally, that the the results in Tokyo are just having a massive boost to the national psyche. Like, national confidence, I think, has never been so high. But you talk about Singapore getting a million dollars for a gold medal. You want to guess how many gold medals Singapore has? I'd say zero. Yep, exactly. And that's that's why, I mean, the Americans can't do that. And we know that. I think, I've got a feeling the Italians or... Italians are uh, high, very high. Very high. And also, I've got a feeling they might have a house. Pay him him a mozza. There's a house. And even going back in time, there was a, a German beer company, I think, that offered any gold medalist free beer for life and that's uh, that for me would certainly make you jump higher faster and stronger but you talk about you talk about funding uh, to to high performance sport and it's, it's been sort of like peaks and troughs right so leading up to sydney was obviously gearing up to a peak because we wanted to do well at our home olympics and then it probably tapered off and then results fell accordingly after what we're seeing in tokyo which we're on track for a record haul of gold medals do you, do you reckon we might see, I guess, more focus, more emphasis placed on Olympic funding or high-performance funding in the run to Brisbane? Yeah, because we're absolutely realising the impact it has on Australia and that um, increased um, confidence. Can you remember back um, uh, Kevin Rudd 
uh, 07, Kevin 07. Yeah, Kevin I was 07. trying to pull all of that I've got together. the T-shirt. Yeah, Kevin 07. You know, can you remember during that era, we as a country gave everyone, I think it was something like $700 for an economic boost? Yep. Well, um, econ- uh, economists um, did a... A correlation between how much money we can give to an Australian versus the impact of winning gold medals and everything, and it's poles apart. So, with um, those economists, then turned around and said, "Right, if if that um, pickup costs seven hundred dollars, imagine what it costs to get these Olympians, and we can actually value the impact of sport and high performance sport." But I'd also like to pull it back to Western Australia, like some parts of Australia doing a magnificent job and I would give the gold medal to Queensland without a doubt Queensland there's poles apart between Queensland and the other states as far as investment in high performance sport and WA I would really love um, an absolute overhaul of WA's investment in high performance sport we've got that five billion dollar surplus we've got some money to spend well I have to say Anastasia Palaszczuk uh Grand final, which we're looking outside of the Olympics, AFL grand final last year. They'll probably host the NRL grand final this year because of COVID, etc. But the Olympics coming their way. Now, you can laugh it off and say, let's be honest, Sal and, and Ben, Olympic Games don't make money in terms of for, for the state and the country because uh, apart from, I think, Sydney might have broken even, Los Angeles going back had the infrastructure in place. They're not a profitable venture. But as you say, it's it's more than that. Huge impact. Um, Im- impact on education, the economy and everything. In Western Australia, we've dropped the ball on high performance. And we think we've got WACE, for instance, but WACE is there to look after WACE as an entity. In WA, we don't have one person, a single point of accountability, looking after high performance in this state. And we really... Mark McGowan, Premier, we <laughs> really need to pick up our game on high-performance sport because of the impact on our people across here in the state. And there's our headline. Yeah, there you go. Mark <laughs> McGowan, State Daddy, if you're listening. Uh, and, and so let's, let's talk hockey again. So who do you think are the main threats for the hockey roos and kookaburras uh, at the pointy end of this tournament, assuming that the, uh, well, let's the say, hockey roos get over India, India first of all. <laughs> India's got to be the big threat, given their 1-0 up. But uh, the Australians are pressing, Sal, and I know you're riding every every bump and every um, chance they get. Uh, it's going to be a tense last half. Just hope they can uh, find an equaliser somewhere. But irrespective, I think they've done a really good job to pull this team together. I know you'd be shattered if they don't come away with a medal, but um, I just think they have shown a lot of character to come together and, and the adversity they've come from, I you know, just hope that carries them through the next hour of their uh, hockey lives. Yeah, I've got more than hope on this. I've got my entire heartbeat on this because um, in hockey, which is really quite a fascinating um, formula with hockey, that, of course, there's 210 nations that go to these Olympic Games. 105 of them play hockey. It's the second most participated sport in the world. Um, across the, the all the different nations. So you've got 105 nations that wean down here to 16 nations that get into the Olympic Games. So it's four or five years of effort to get there, to beat these other nations to get there. And then, of course, you're coming down into the top eight where we are at the moment, then the top four get into the medal rounds. So when you say which are the nation, you know, the competing nations here, well, there's 105 of them. Then when you get down to the top, you know, six or eight of them, they're, they're, all, all, they're all as good as each other. But in the women, the Dutch, they've just been excellent for, you know, three or four Olympics now.